falls here, which I guess means pumpkin spices, too. I know you're all hooked on that stuff, but keep it out of my classroom, okay? You don't see me bringing my addictions to school, and pray I keep it that way. Have you ever wondered why the X-Men didn't show up in Avengers Endgame? Why we're about to get a third Spider-Man 3 movie? Or why we've never even seen everyone's favorite shirtless Atlantean, Namor the Submariner? <laughs> well, true believers, for those answers, we must cast our minds back to the early 1990s. They were a dark time for Marvel. The comics bubble was bursting, and by 1996, the company would be bankrupt. In a desperate attempt to keep themselves afloat, the company had a fire sale of the TV, film, and theme park rights for their characters. And thus, they were scattered across the entertainment industry like so many Infinity Stones. <laughs> and it's that very same desperation that gave us such masterpieces as the 1990 direct-to-video Captain America, Roger Corman's sadly unreleased 1994 Fantastic Four film, David Hasselhoff in the TV movie Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and, of course, Howard the Duck. <laughs> but apparently that desperation didn't extend to today's film, Dr. Mordred, about a sorcerer living in New York City who wears a blue cape and an amulet that manipulates time. Does that sound familiar, true believers? Well, it should! The film was originally developed as an adaptation of Doctor Strange. Sadly, the rights expired before production began, but that didn't stop the heroes at Full Moon Features. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, the reanimator himself, stars as the titular Dr. Anton Mordred, less of a Sorcerer Supreme than a Sorcerer Superintendent. <laughs> Mordred lives as a recluse in a New York high-rise he's owned and operated for a hundred years. Ever vigilant in protecting Earth from extra-dimensional forces that live in a stargate through a map in his living room. <laughs> when a pair of giant disembodied space eyes tell him that his nemesis Cabal is going to escape the floating space prison Mordred stuck him in, Mordred doesn't really do anything and Cabal escapes anyways. <laughs> Dr. Mordred must come out of seclusion and team up with NYPD consultant Samantha Hunt to stop Cabal from collecting the Philosopher's Stone and unleashing hordes of demons upon the Earth. Sure, it may never reach the heights of current MCU blockbusters, but did Avengers Endgame have a stop-motion T-Rex skeleton fighting a Mastodon skeleton? I don't think so. <laughs> so come along, true believers. Excelsior! <laughs> In a Manhattan apartment, Dr. M. Tom Mordred has stood guard between our world and the dark dimensions. After centuries of waiting, evil's ultimate warrior has arrived. It will be beyond the apocalypse. Dr. Mordred, master of the unknown. Who's going on this extra cosmic adventure with me, Jamie Kennedy? I feel as though I've been blessed of all the women you could have had on this podcast, <laughs> and you chose me. Greg Hansen? Jeffrey Combs? Well, what does he do after that? <laughs> God damn it. 
Casey Regan. I have to tell you something. I have to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to translate. I want you to see two boys. No, they're behind this magic handkerchief. I want you to see two boys. One, excited to see a high concept Warlocks Do Battle movie starring Jeffrey Combs. The other little boy, who is also me, is very disappointed by having to look at what amounts to just a bland, characterless white void that we are told is magic. Again, this is all happening behind the plain white handkerchief. This is the exact type of movie that Full Moon was making in 1996. (laughs) So I definitely have seen the name Full Moon probably around MST, but what have they done? Their most well-known property is the Puppet Master series. Oh, okay. But they did the subspecies movies, Prehysteria. They they, they did a bunch of... They did uh, classics, you know, Ginger Dead Man, Evil Bong, (laughs) Evil Bong versus Ginger Dead Man. They did them all. I I can't tell if these are movies or not. These are real movies. 100% actual movies. I wonder if those are also nearly almost based on Marvel properties. (laughs) The thing I'm more curious about is, why was this cut like a TV movie? It felt like there were commercial breaks and the main title was the kind of thing where it comes on after Saturday Night Live at like 2 a.m. on a Saturday. (laughs) I thought the simple lower third title to no musical fanfare was a very elegant choice. A very like understated choice for Dr. Mordred to make. I can't believe how bored I was through most of it. <laughs> oh, Ooh. interesting. For a movie with this much stuff in it that I would like, it felt like it was from season four of a really good TV show. <laughs> <laughs> like a TV show that was really cool. And so uh, the whole movie, there are like these moments where the camera like pushes into his cloak, which of course is because this was supposed to be Doctor Strange. But it <laughs> instead has this vibe of like I'm supposed to think that jacket is important like I'm supposed to be like super psyched to see this bit of outerwear but I don't care about the outerwear I don't know why I should care about the outerwear the recipe was right just the oven was off but uh, counterpoint counterpoint to that I'll give you that anything with Dr. Mordred can kind of be a snooze but like how does not every scene with Cabal and his lackeys not instantly up your grade for They're the exception that proves the rule. (laughs) And and I do not truly understand what that saying means. But this is... (laughs) I love Jeffrey Combs. He's, like, inimitable in a, like, real way. Like, I was trying to do an impersonation of him with my opening thought. Like, I don't know if that even read. Because he's truly, like, an inimitable performer. What he brings to a movie is such a very odd energy of like a suave twerp (laughs) who is capable of any universal power and you believe it he seemed bored in this movie like he's like like dr mordred is never in danger dr mordred has 
this shit on lock the entire movie is literally never in danger physically. But that's also the case with Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange. Like, yeah, almost immortal Sorcerer Supremes aren't interesting characters. Because, like, even if he failed and the world was destroyed, he'd still be fine. So you're right, the stakes aren't really there except for as much as he cares about humanity. (laughs) Which he doesn't really. He doesn't care about any of the tenants in his building. That just sucks. That's terrible, man. <laughs> I mean, let let's be real. The stakes are there. And they are the walking, talking Brian Thompson, who yes. looks like a shitload of steaks stuffed into a white sock. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that man is all drumsticks. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement, and it's a weird thing to agree upon, that Jeffrey Combs is the weak link of this movie. <laughs> yeah. That is a yes. wild fucking statement. Absolutely. Yeah. That sentence should inherently not make sense. No, I love Jeffrey Combs. To me, if you were to pitch the idea of casting Jeffrey Combs against type where he wears like a goofy blue suit and (laughs) does nonsense magic, I'm like, this is my favorite movie I've ever seen. (laughs) But the only pushback that I would say against Casey is like, I think the problem with Jeffrey Combs is that in this movie, he's playing suave. But he's not. His best roles have always been high neurosis, corner and edge of madness. And the idea of putting him into a movie where he doesn't flex that muscle even once, if this really worked, then I would say like, brilliant, but it doesn't because the thing that he does best is approach madness and then back off and then approach madness and then back off. And in this, he's just sort of like, look at my vest. (laughs) Look at my Heaven's Gate uniform. Yeah, like he feels like way more cult leader than he does superhero. And that feels like a a really big letdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you put him toe-to-toe with Brian Thompson, who is... Again, nine chins and 15 (laughs) teeth. And is the best easy bad guy. You put him into a movie and you give him a pair of like fucking motorcycle sunglasses and you're like, well, this guy is going to blow up the world with a machine gun somehow. (laughs) And especially at this era of Brian Thompson's hair, he's like a come to life Squidbillies character. Like he is just, (laughs) he has the wildest mullet. It's yeah, you put a Tiger King wig on like (laughs) Modoc and then put Modoc on top of a muscular body. When he came on screen, our dog started losing her mind. Yeah, because he's so fucking high. Yeah. She's never barked at a television before, and she was just like, what's happening? Who is this? What's happening? <laughs> Who is this walking Florida commercial? Yeah. yeah, your puppy had a sexual awakening, I think. Yeah. <laughs> your puppy's a dog No, now. she's not spayed yet. It's weird, because it feels like Jeffrey Combs is trying. Like He is trying to play the part. It's either miscasting or misreading. To be fair, though, like the bands, Charles and Albert Band, are nobody's actors' directors. <laughs> <laughs> I love a lot of their output, but like people did not go to Full Moon to turn in their best performances. Full Moon was known for like having stop motion animation and tiny monsters. Nailed it. 
Yep. Nailed it. Nailed it. And for the most part, the performances are requisite. Yeah. <laughs> and also killer as shit production design. For oh, yeah. its oh, yeah. ilk, you know? His office is incredible. Totally. If you were to describe, okay, what does a Sorcerer Supreme in New York's penthouse apartment look like? Yeah, yeah. Giant classic map of the world. <laughs> a whole bunch of television CRTs. Yeah. A map wall that has a secret circular door in it. Yep, astrolabes and a raven. Oh, raven. Wait, which is, okay, though, like a rad touch that they literally use never? No. What an insane choice to be like, well, we have the raven budget, (laughs) but we do nothing with it? Well, at one point, though, Edgar the raven does get a bad vibe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I forget which part it is, but I he do. He gets one call. I yeah, guess. there's like a like, singular call. There's like one moment where Cabal does something evil and they cut back to Edgar just apparently <laughs> just going like, oh, something bad's going on. My, my raven's acting up. Some <laughs> some terrible. Cabal must be at it again. Time and place check. This could be... Coincidence, Edgar? Or the first sign. The movie makes like three interesting superhero movie decisions that all kind of conspire towards it not working. Somehow these three what would be good decisions on their own turn into like typhoon of boredom. You are kind of like describing like ingredients in a recipe, right? Like the idea of being like, tarragon's great. Saffron is awesome. Like, what if we throw in some carrots? And somebody's like, really? Those are the three? Like mixing all the sodas at the fountain is good in theory. In theory. (laughs) He's sort of playing someone who's 150 years old, honestly. Like he has the energy, sort of the emotional energy of like a 150 year old, like sort of over it, like taking it seriously, but also sort of over it. (laughs) If we all get blinked out of existence. Right. And, and that, unfortunately, doesn't go quite hand-in-hand hand with another interesting screenwriting decision, which, like, most first-time superhero movies do not make, which is starting not at what would be an origin story. Yeah. Mm, starting, yeah. like, way into this person's superheroing. Yeah. And yeah. that is all fine and good, except he's so calm and sort of collected the whole time and not really ever learning anything. No. <laughs> is there doesn't seem to be a lot of growth happening to Dr. Mordred. And then at the same time, it's like, oh my God, what was my third thing? Oh no. <laughs> Jesus, did it have something to do with the lady? The lady cop who's just as wasted as Rachel McAdams in Doctor Strange? <laughs> this was like right at the beginning of like Full Moon starting to make stuff. This is in some ways one of their better movies. And I have, like, a really soft spot for a lot of, especially, like, this era Full Moon stuff. By, like, 94, 95, I start to get kind of tired of it. But I call them weeknight movies. <laughs> I, I don't really want to, like, use up the movies that I'm, like, really excited about to just, like, watch alone while drinking a glass of wine on a Tuesday. So I, like, I'm like, oh, a Full Moon movie is, like, perfect. <laughs> they're easy. They're really digestible. They're always 90 minutes long, which I love. They have a look. They have a feel. And I think that that is really their strong suit right is like having this sort of like 
fun, light, kind of classic Hollywood energy that I'm really into. And whether or not they work or not is sort of, I think, up to your personal tastes. But like, it's weird to be like, I like Full Moon. I love Jeffrey Combs. The worst part of this Full Moon movie is Jeffrey Combs. You're like, <laughs> yeah, that's-, that's the thing is the fact that they misuse him and it kind of just falls flat. It really tangs the whole movie. It's like a copper aftertaste. Yeah, especially because they don't really put quite enough action into this. Yeah. They, they kind of like do this middle thing where it's like, we could either have an action movie or we could have a character movie and they kind of did neither. Yeah. <laughs> the best action is by far the ending. Yeah. The dinosaur fight in the museum, which is something I've waited my entire life to say. <laughs> so fucking rad. Yeah, but there are like three parts to the villain's plan and like two <laughs> yeah. of them happen off screen mentioned briefly in a newscast you know that's the kind of thing in like a real superhero movie we would cut away for each one of those things and instead it's just recaps on recaps on recaps well jamie a real superhero movie has money and money (laughs) is a thing that's hard to come by in full moon movies 1992 (laughs) i was down to clown open on eyeballs floating in space and i'm pretty ready to go it was a cool visual but weirdly again like jeffrey combs performance here is so muted that giant space eyeball somehow falls flat the death's head will seek you out do you know when no and if i did i would not stop it i understand monitor i wish you well i took an oath and when the time comes i'll meet the death's head and beat it back That spirit is why I chose you for this mission, Mordred. We have, like, a lot of things that just are kind of all a little underdeveloped because there are so many things shoehorned in and nobody's, like, really going for it in the way that, like, again, Brian Thompson is amazing. He's not going for it any more than he does with anything else. Like, he's just sort of effortless. And I actually really loved the Samantha. I thought she she was great, but, like, had very little to do other yeah. than just sort of like wait around and hang out. Literally. <laughs> you have precious minutes that you could have like <laughs> dedicated to anything else. Yep. I think an argument could be made though that she does put herself in more danger and thus do more heroic things than Dr. Mordred. And oh, yes. she yeah. totally. also doesn't really put herself in danger. <laughs> it, no. it just really <laughs> underlines how little danger our hero is in at any point in this movie. Yeah. This movie gives you like just a little taste of what could be and then just kind of blue balls you they're like oh yeah there's a shitload of demons just (laughs) waiting to get out oh no the demons are they're going back in yeah (laughs) and as soon as they said yeah there's gonna be a bunch of demons they kept showing the like demon vault i'm like there is literally no way that this movie is going to show us demons running amok because they just don't have the budget for it and so when it got to the point where it opens and you see the stop motion claymation demons and they're rad and you're like yes (laughs) run amok and then they're just like no the door (laughs) swung back in my face (laughs) i'm like I'm like, you motherfucker, just keep it closed. Yep. You can't open it just to be like, peekaboo. This is what you could have gotten. Bar- Marvel yeah. would at least have, would have at least had a space laser them. And then like, <laughs> they would have done a little bit of havoc and then sucked back into it rather than the door closed. We have this whole rad scene where Mordred goes to the fucking floating Hyrule castle in Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> yes. Meets his fucking yeah. guard friend who has no eyes. 
and he just keeps saying son of a bitch all the time for no reason. <laughs> I loved Gunner. I wanted more of Gunner. Like, I'm like, this is so great. And then they're just like, cool, we have this great. We gotta go. <laughs> yeah, back we gotta have this great set. Like, let's get out of here so that we can go hang out in the hallway of an apartment building. <laughs> Literally, it's like, well, I've been here too long. And I'm like, no, no, you haven't. (laughs) You certainly haven't. There's like all these meteor things that you have in the movie, but just for a moment in service of having more time with Mordred and Edgar. Right, exactly. The the movie's opening the blinds and showing us this amazingly designed, amazingly produced, cool concept movie. Meanwhile, we're still on our fucking field trip to the box factory. (laughs) Hey, Lords of Magic. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. This total that movie climaxed in a box factory, and this movie felt more like a box factory. (laughs) We open with Mordred going to his eye dad. And his eye dad being like, the bad guy's coming soon. And he he goes, When? And his dad's like, I I can't say, but soon. And then he he leaves. He goes, All right. Then he watches the news for a long time. (laughs) Obviously, this was all prophesized, meaning before this movie, Dr. Mordred knows about everything that's happening in this movie like down to the bad guy's individual parts of his scheme he's just waiting for it to happen yeah he's just waiting for it to happen because he's been watching the news every day he sees a second piece of news that looks familiar goes back to idad goes does this mean the bad guy's coming and idad goes Yes. And he goes, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> then he, like, flirts with his tenant for a while. <laughs> it's just a superhero's day off. Yeah, exactly. The The bad guy visits him as a national projection so he can't hurt the bad guy. Then he visits the bad guy as a national projection so that... But can hurt uh, the bad the, guy. So he can hurt the bad guy and the bad guy can't hurt him. Yeah, why would you do anything in person then? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then the I dad is like, you did a great job exactly like you were supposed to. And And that's it. That's the end of this. Like, narratively, this take away the love story. Narratively, like, there's nothing going on here in the wizard battle. There's nothing going on here, like, really at all for our hero to figure out. What he needs to figure out is how to date a woman 130 years <laughs> younger than him. The opening is really cool with giant space eyes. Then there's like a bank robbery where... An armored truck robbery. Oh, yes. An armored truck is uh, robbed by the guy in the back of the... <laughs> yeah, who shoots the driver while he's, he's driving. <laughs> they start putting the Marley Brothers fucking chains and crates down. It's the set from a Deal or No Deal. Like, they're taking props off the set of that <laughs> the show. the fucking dynamite boxes from Crash Bandicoot. It's just wild and wild fucking crates. Yeah, then fucking Brian Thompson shows up in the movie looking like evil Siegfried without Roy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Never has it been so obvious because the, the armored car guard who shoots the other one is putting these boxes in the middle of the road and then a Jeep drives up and the armored guard backs away like slowly, robotically. The film cranks down to a sort of slow motion that they did in post, right? Which is a choice they continue to make. They do like legitimate slow motion on Cabal in some moments when he, you know, he's being menacing. But I have to believe that was just because the wide shot of like him dressed like he's doing pirate dinner theater and getting out of like <laughs> just like a tan jeep with a with a sash around his waist was like this is not reading as cool. This can't be our first shot. <laughs> 
<laughs> of the main villain. <laughs> Even Brian Thompson has his limits. There's some things no person can make look intimidating. Brian Thompson in this scene specifically, like, really looks like a degenerate American gladiator. Like, he's oh, a- yeah. <laughs> like, he seems like he's about to start talking about how he's, how he's going to go fucking shred the gnar after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What he actually says is about as incomprehensible as that because he just takes this liquid, pours it on the ground and says, Release this blood of the earth. May it find its place with the philosopher's stone. What? (laughs) (laughs) And then the boxes vanish. And then the boxes vanish. Here's why Cabal rules. I think that was oil. All the things Cabal uses to like make magic are like things that humans seek for greedy or destructive ends. They do say that he's an alchemist, which I thought was an interesting choice. I was impressed by and also baffled by and also annoyed by the fact that anytime Cabal does some of his alchemy magic, there's really no explanation like what he's doing with it like what it is they assume we know a little too goddamn much yeah and they need to like handhold us a little bit more than they do on the made-up magic i guess what i'm saying is not necessarily that we need to know more it's that they we need to know more dread (laughs) other movies will to make a character seem more interesting will like hint at a scene that just sounds like a better movie than the one we're watching (laughs) I, throughout this whole movie, get the sense that this is, like, one of Dr. Mordred's least exciting adventures. Like, to him as well. Well, that's exemplified in literally the next scene where we stop the whole plot of the movie to see the interpersonal relationships of his tenants on his floor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Miss Hunt, you're a policewoman. Mrs. Golden has threatened to sue me because baby barks when he wants to go out at night. But my lease says I can have pets. And my dog is my pet. And dogs bark. Uh, Mr. Bernstein, I'm not a policewoman. I'm just a research consultant to the police department. Then consult and tell the laws on my side. Missy, if you're so connected, will you tell this man to keep his dog quiet or you'll throw him in jail? Mr. Bernstein, you're going to have to figure out a way to keep baby quiet. Otherwise, she can call the police about it. Ah, uh, no. Nine, one, one. And Mrs. Golden, if you call the police, I'm going to have to tell them how I can hear your television through my bedroom wall, and then everybody will be in jail except baby. I did love that little character moment, though, because it was just a couple character actors from New York got a weekend of work to do. <laughs> Neither of these people have anything to do with the rest of the movie no. at no. all. None. We have so much world building that happens. The last thing we need to build is another world of side characters who don't show up again. And you don't need to build our world. Right. Like, no. <laughs> It takes right, place right. in New York. We know what New York City is. <laughs> we, we don't need world building for the planet we live on. Yeah, I believe those people. I... <laughs> in this apartment scene, we also are introduced to Samantha, who is our consultant for the NYPD. Who uh... she's the, she's like kind of our consultant for the yes. movie. And, yeah, and she's like she Solomon the Wise's these these neighbors being like <laughs> divide this dog divide in half. this dog in half. <laughs> <laughs> and has the little bit of exposition of they say a hundred years ago New York was a nice place to live and Mordred not good at <laughs> pretending that he's not a mortal just blurts out it was. 
keep your cool, man. Like you, you don't. I guess there's a reason he doesn't leave his apartment yeah. because he would. Yeah. He would let his identity slip absolutely immediately. Which is why he has to do like illusionist smoke bomb to get out of there. <laughs> He's like, I mean, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. yeah. It's, it's a good thing that the movie Clock Stoppers also happens in this movie. <laughs> So that he could just be like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> you know, I've been here since Christmas, and this is only the second time I've ever seen you. I work a lot. Yeah, me too. Sorry about all the commotion. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm kind of curious about... To back up five feet tops yeah. into his apartment. <laughs> they were standing at the door of his apartment. He could have just been like... Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Close the door. And it would have been less suspicious than him disappearing from the conversation. <laughs> she has to believe she's had a minor <laughs> stroke. Yeah, something, some sort of event, cranial event. <laughs> she's had a minor <laughs> cranial event because they're like mid sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is again the decision of making him 150 years old because then the next thing he does is he watches the news again, <laughs> which is good cinema. Yeah, it's yeah. very good cinema, <laughs> especially for a character that's magic. Like, I I understand they're going for he's a superhero. He watches the news to see what kind of things are afoot. But like, like, what kind of magician is he even? He can't even get out of a pair of handcuffs later. Like... Oh, wait, what? what? No, he does. That's the only Easily thing. That's literally the only thing that he does. That's really oh, the... I was just wondering why he didn't do it permanently. I just don't, I don't no, understand. He put the back on. It's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know why he put the back on, but he did. It's really also the one thing he does at the police station. If we're just talking about what he does. <laughs> yes. Everything yeah. else is Samantha. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe he is just 150 years old. He watches the news instead of, I don't know, the choice to make it a crystal ball, a cauldron. Like, he's a <laughs> yeah. magician. Fucking monitor. Just have monitor come down and tell him again. I'll look at those big <laughs> yeah. eyes again. Like, yep. you got me with right, the big eyes. Right. The fact that they also underutilize monitor as the cheapest practical effect because it's literally just like shitty green screen eyes and stars. He doesn't even have a mouth. You don't even need to sink anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in some ways actually cheaper than shooting more. <laughs> than shooting like a newscaster, than making yeah. a fake newscaster or whatever. Oh, Oh Maybe my god, you're stole. right. And then playing it on a television screen and then recording that recording on that, a camera. Having <laughs> playback ready on the day to film the TV. It's so much more work so than much just reusing work. the footage you already have of the space eyeball. Especially because he hears about the diamond theft in Africa, puts his little flag down, goes back to see Monitor, and Monitor's like, yeah, the news yep. is right. <laughs> <laughs> like, why wasn't Monitor just the news? <laughs> the first and second signs have come to pass. Great quantities of basic alchemic elements have been stolen at the times and places predicted. What does this tell you, Mordred? That the Death's Head has escaped. This is so. But how? You must cross over. You know my ability is limited, Monitor. You must. And learn for yourself. Is it not part of your duty? Yeah, then Mordred, go, he goes back home upset by the news. He's an elderly yep. person. He's upset yep. by the news, but <laughs> instead of doing anything rash, gets into his jammies, goes into the closet, 
gets his jammies on. Uh, <laughs> then the Dr. Mordred cloak. Again, Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Fully. <laughs> very, fully. like, cultish. Very, uh, well, very, very for comfort. I think that's yeah. what we're all reading out of it. Yeah, and unlike Doctor Strange's cloak, has no interesting magical powers or abilities. Well, it, it's form-fitting, yet looks breathable. <laughs> Maybe it's alluded to by his TED Talk that he gives, but, like, <laughs> what the fuck does he have a doctorate in? <laughs> the cycles of the moon have been proven to affect the tides, magnetic polarity, and human behavior. The word, lunatic, comes from the Latin lunas, which means moon. We all know that when things get a little crazy, someone always remarks, there must be a full moon tonight. Which explains what you're all doing here. (laughs) We have what could have been like a fun, I mean, it is a fun little TED Talk you know, slideshow area that Sam is attending after sh- after she gets berated by her partner, question mark, at the NYPD, who's, like, really the only cop that we get to see, and he's just sort of the requisite slimeball cop. Yeah, yeah she, yeah, she gets no respect there, probably because she is just a consultant. Yeah, <laughs> even and though a she, woman! Even though she blew the case <laughs> wide open by translating things from Urdu. What she wants is to get paid salary for a consultant position. Right. It's kind of crazy that they, like, have her on retainer. How many, like, cult and demonic crimes are there in New York on a, like, a consistent basis? You know, the S and SVU is Satan. (laughs) Satan Victims Unit. Well, clearly Samantha is the best at her job amongst the NYPD and even Mordred. She's better at her job than both of those forces combined. Yeah, this movie does kind of just underline how shitty, like, doughy white guys are. Yeah. <laughs> well, she works harder at her job. We can't say she's better at her job than Mordred, because, again, he is never losing. He is never on the back foot. <laughs> he yeah. is never at any point not in control of the entire situation. He's literally getting God's advice on how to go about it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this is like a late season like Dragon Ball Z where like all the characters are just like way too powerful. There's no reason for there to be a story whatsoever. They just have so they need to like take a long time just to meet the villain because that fight will obviously be very short because it'll just be over. So you need to like walk to each other slowly. <laughs> You gotta get caught up in a lot of rooms. That's basically this movie is like things just getting in the way, like like apartment issues and like getting arrested and shit, getting in the way of Dr. Mordred just like walking over to Cabal and stopping him by doing what he's doing just better, just at him instead yeah. of... <laughs> it's so... This stinks. This really stinks, this movie. And I wish it didn't because it's got almost everything. He steps through his Stargate, and he's teleported to his floating rock castle where he meets his friend Gunner, who I wish we had way more of, yeah. whose eyes are fucking missing. Right. Fucking Gunner from Alabama, who has <laughs> who has a bazooka. Yeah. Yep. You know, a magic bazooka. Right. A magic, later we find out, laser shooting <laughs> laser, bazooka. Yeah. 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 Is dressed like one of the fucking time bandits and is like <laughs> shooting a grenade launcher, laser grenade launcher, at a right. fucking storm drain with demons behind it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, yeah, it's insane how cool the movie gets for a second. And then, yeah. and then it was like, all right, peace out. Have fun here in this movie. He's coming for you. He'll journey across to the world of three dimensions and kill you. 
He's already there. I'm gathering great quantities of alchemic elements. Then we're too late, aren't we? No. Don't sell Cabal short. He's a tricky son of a bitch and a powerful alchemist. I also like that at any point Monitor could have just told him, oh yeah, he escaped. But no, Monitor's like, sorry, you need to cross over to see that he's escaped. I'm going to ask maybe a stupid fucking question. Why? Why in the world is Mordred on Earth at all? I don't know. Excellent question. I don't know. If the only thing that he had to do was was keep Cabal and the demons at bay, why would he go far away or at least why wouldn't you go back like every day because it doesn't seemingly matter matter. like why don't you just go back to hyrule every day (laughs) and check on gunner i can't believe i'm defending it but they do establish that when he goes by the time he comes back it's been a full week yeah but he hasn't mattered he's not fixing his tenants apartments anyway so what's a week (laughs) comes back the rent checks are like piled up and like great awesome and they're like hey uh you haven't deposited last month's check are you gonna do that sometime soon he's like yeah what's money greg that's such a good point but that's That's where I gave the movie the benefit of the doubt because I thought the implication was Dr. Mordred, the protector of Earth, has to just do a lot of things, is constantly solving world-ending crises like this. I ho- that I thought that was the implication, and that's what you're trying to go for when it's like already established superhero, and we're like beginning the story in the middle of their life story, right? Sure, but literally never established. Literally, <laughs> but that's no, like, no other crisis is ever talked about. <laughs> the version of this movie where he has nothing to do but take care of the Death's Head Cabal situation is insane, yeah. right? Because in some ways, this movie is establishes that he does nothing but guard that and look for these signs. But I'm like, but... The signs wouldn't exist if Cabal didn't escape. Didn't did <laughs> escape. So, like, why are you here? Like, yep. Monitor's literally telling him. Monitor's telling yep. him he's going to escape. And he's like, Do, can you tell me when? He's like, go back, get back, get back in, to work. Monitor's <laughs> like, back in the office, is what I'm saying. And then on Cabal's side of things, Gunner says that, you know, he's thankful that Cabal couldn't bring all of his hell spawn with him. But, like, like, also, why not? Cabal killed literally everyone but Gunner, but then it was like, this is too far. I gotta, I gotta cross over. Right. And melted Gunner's eyeballs like, out of his head. Why didn't he take the extra step of releasing his hell spawn? Like, because Gunner rules. <laughs> Are those magically protected? <laughs> I, yeah, I took the demons not coming through as for some reason he's gotta kill Mordred or he has to do a certain spell. Yeah, or I a, think he like, needed the okay. Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, in order for I, that. okay, okay. Maybe that. that <laughs> One made a little bit, a, like okay. a, like a little bit more sense. But yeah, so what like, you're saying is Cabal is good at his job and Mordred isn't. That's fair. Yes. Where well, we're back to, we're back to that. <laughs> right. And of course, it is up to enterprising young woman to pick up the pieces for him. Yep. <laughs> An underpaid enterprising An young underpaid. woman. Underpaid. Exhibiting his absurd power, Dr. Mordred heals Gunner's eyeballs immediately, instantly, without any inconvenience, and then returns to Earth a week later. I cannot get over how funny it is when Mordred leaves Gunner by basically saying, like, hey, I gotta go back to the worst movie now. (laughs) It is just so wild. Yes, my friend, I'd rather stay here too, but we only had this location for one day. (laughs) Right. I wouldn't bother. I haven't seen him in a week. 
I tried to invite him to join the tenants committee and he never even answered my note. Well, I'll tell him all about it for you, Mrs. Golden. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Samantha calls the fire department because the Stargate lights his sanctum on fire. So she calls the fire department. They come down to break down Dr. Mordred's door. He's like, what? What's going on? Well, it's a great moment because they go to chop down the door. The door swings open and he catches the axe in mid Oh, it's rad. Yeah, which is an inspired piece of like... Blocking. Yeah, but also of just like character fluff. That's like probably the coolest that Mordred ever seems in the movie to me. Yeah. Correct. And again, this is a scene of exactly zero consequence to the rest of the movie (laughs) other than pushing the love interests together. Yeah, through manipulation. Again, after giving her the experience of thinking she's had like a petite mall seizure, <laughs> he further manipulates her into thinking like the apartment's on fire and then totally does not back her up with the, when the authorities are like, that's illegal to call a fake fire uh, alarm. And Morgan's like, yeah, it is totally, officer. Hey, boo, boo, boo. She shouldn't have done that. Hey, anyway, uh, care to come inside? <laughs> you wanna, yeah, you want to come inside and have some late night coffee yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and watch the news <laughs> I've got I have all every of it channel. Right, I've got all of the news in a church somewhere two punk cultists are preparing to conjure something some stained glass explodes and cabal appears with just like smash cut to a wide shot of a church with like upside down crosses, candles, and the girl is just like dry humping the air with a knife in her hands. But not like, nothing sexy. It's just like, no. Here, no. Here's... also not really like listening to like music or anything. No, just, just sort of fucking like... spazzing out. Just fucking spazzing out. Just, just so feeling excited. Feeling Satan's love, guys. Just feeling Satan's love. Hey, come on. It's almost time. Babe, did you really speak to him, or are you just bullshitting? The dude spoke to me. I heard him right in here. I love this era of filmmaking where you could just kind of throw long hair dudes in skinny jeans and yep. spikes and be like, that's a scary Satan man. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to dress them like they're extras from the Lost Boys. And you're like, yeah. like, it tells you everything you need. I love all the energy that Keith Glorus brings to Adrian. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, Adrian oh, rules. Adrian's so great because well, we haven't mentioned that like all of Cabal's plans, every, every heist that he does hinges on him mind controlling someone to do his bidding and then basically killing themselves afterwards. Here you have Adrian who's like, bro, you don't even need to c- cast a spell on me. What are you... <laughs> like, yes, let's end the planet. I love this. I love you. Kill my girlfriend. I don't care. <laughs> and she doesn't I'm, care either. I'm in. <laughs> You're crazy, Cabal. You're fucking crazy. crazy. <laughs> I'm also in love with the fact that Keith Caloris is known for yes, yes role yes. is thug number one in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes. 2, The Secret of the Use. First one. Number one, baby. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Brian Thompson is just doing whatever. Like, Brian Thompson is, he's just fucking freestyling. Like, he's just going on, like, I am villain. Okay, I understand. I know what to do. I'm Brian goddamn Thompson. <laughs> yeah, he's got grins that kill. Yeah, and then these other two people are 
going so hard and it's fun they're coked out of their minds and it works and it, all it takes is like a scene with gunner or like adrian going like i fucking kill for you man we're gonna bring the demons of hell up on a man it just takes one of those and i'm like oh right this could have been so much fun did you find out about the cosmopolitan museum as i asked i drew the map myself irene can draw great the medieval exhibits in the west wing all the way in the back what about sentries four in the west wing day and night does that bug you it's important to know the numbers of your enemies. I'll kill them all for you, man. What's their next thing? Oh, they need to get, like, the isotope, the plutonium or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah they uh, need a nuclear material. And Adrian goes... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Adrian goes, I fucking do anything for you, Cabal. I'd go there and get it. But that place is almost in fucking Jersey. (laughs) I'd go to get it for you, even though that's like over the bridge, dude. (laughs) I'll kill anyone, but oh, it's like rush hour. Ah. It's a really bad time to get to Hoboken, man. (laughs) That comes up again. The traffic of New York comes up twice in this movie, and I I love it. Not not shown at all. Not shown, right. And what's great is Cabal kind of caves to it, I think, because doesn't he just, like, mind control someone at the power plant to to get the plutonium for him? So, actually, Adrian doesn't have to drive to Jersey. It's even better. They switch to one on Long Island. (laughs) That's what it was. But just the, the, the end of that scene, like, fucking Brian Thompson. So perfect. So great. Man can't not be a villain. Just like when they're like, "What are you gonna do? You gonna like demons up from hell and fuck people up, or like go after the <laughs> bastards?" And, and Brian Thompson's like, "Something like that." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "What? What's so funny?" <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> what? No, it's you're laughing. What is it, boss? Like, is it? You can tell us. No, you you wouldn't get it. No, tell us. Come on. <laughs> Brian Thompson looks like his skull is trying to escape his head. No, it looks like he's hiding another skull under there. Like, <laughs> just one for everybody, right? B- Brian, just one skull, right? something like that. <laughs> There's a brief interlude with Samantha and Mordred and their stupid love story I don't care about. But then we come back to Cabal, who sleeps. Or No, who, he no, doesn't. No, it's a fake out. I think she's going to sleep with the cultist because she's standing there nude. And then she's talking about how excited she is that he chose her. But he sacrifices her with a zappy ring to the forehead. I love it. I love it. I'm not going to say the impulses behind this idea. That's for other people to assume about me. But... I was disappointed I didn't see Brian Thompson's dick in this scene. And especially because <laughs> it's like, I just think about it. those goddamn about scenes. I dick. think about his dick all the time. <laughs> but also, like, these are interdimensional beings. We don't even know if they have penises, Casey. Right. I know. Well, we know they could have tentacles down there. Yeah. Then you could have done something like that. It's just like that crazy to me. That would have been so fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it. That would have been really cool. He just rolls up and like from the bottom of screen, just a tiny floppy tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> it like caresses the side of her face. <laughs> yes. Something like yeah, yeah. that. 
<laughs> I just can't help but feel weird about the onset vibe of like Re- requisite nude scenes. Yeah, where like yeah. the lady ha- it has to get one hundred percent naked. Yeah, and then Brian Thompson's there in fucking like capoeira pants. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Cabal's got to hang up. Obviously, something something <laughs> he feels he feels uncomfortable. Yeah, he's he's very self conscious about his tentacle dick. As sort of baffling as this scene is. We're then followed up with a scene where Mordred is taking out a bunch of Lucite knives and putting them in himself. Baffling. Baffling. Again, he's 150 years old. He's got to take his pills. Yeah. <laughs> Does this ever come back? Yes. Instantly, I think it's... immediately afterwards, because yeah. he was doing it so that he could shoot them back out at Cabal, but Cabal was astral projecting. What the fuck? Yeah. Wait, that'd be... Okay. Yeah. Those lasers were the swords he put yes. into his stomach? Yes. Yes, because yes. Cabal says, ah, oh, the crystals of Endor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You'll have to do better than that, Anton. <laughs> Why care you what happens to these vermin? What difference does it make if I want this dying planet? That's not what our power is for. For what then? For ten of their centuries we've lived on the other side waiting waiting for our chance to take our rightful place as gods in a godless world. A sorcerer is not a god. He is if he chooses to be. If he teaches these animals the real meaning of fear by bringing forth their worst nightmares. Nightmares I can control. I have a question. Does Cabal say he wants the gateway to the third dimension? Yes. Yes. He says the fabric of the third dimension will rip open and demons will pour out. That's what I thought. Which is one of many promises that this movie makes (laughs) that does not follow up on. But they also later say the fourth dimension. So they retcon that entire thing. Well, each demon lives in its own dimension. That's why they only had four demons when that door opened up. (laughs) The army of demons that spelled out was only like four of them. That's what 4D stands for, yeah. Yeah. And then the second big promise, Cabal goes on to say, before this is over, I'll drink your blood and feast you on your flesh. Like, I appreciate the chutzpah movie, but like, you gotta give me one of three of those things happen. We only really see Cabal give someone an aggressive, like, stamp. Brandon! Notarize someone to death, yeah. And he makes a guy shoot himself. That's, you say and- notarize someone to death? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that's very good. We don't see him feast on flesh, drink blood, do nothing. None of those things. They don't do anything in this goddamn no. movie. Well, that's not true. Jeffrey Combs puts knives into his stomach for no reason. <laughs> for so that's literally no reason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the scene ends just immediately. Yeah, now we get the most NYPD thing to ever NYPD, which is Samantha had like given a tip to the cops <laughs> that like, hey, this guy specializes in like exactly what this case is. Like he'd be a good person to like ask for advice on and maybe he could leave you some leads. And they're like, or we can arrest him. <laughs> <laughs> you are making a big mistake. What the hell's going on here? Questioning your neighbor on suspicion of homicide. What? I'm afraid they won't listen to me, Miss Hunt. Anton Mordred is a respected researcher of the black arts. Now, I sent you to him so he could help you solve this case, damn it. Yeah, which he did, as soon as I saw this. You see, this matches the burn marks on the dead girl's face. And then I started to question him, and he started talking about oh, blood spells and all kinds he of He did not shit. kill that girl, Tony. That's good detective work right there. Yep, yep. yep. To be fair, if 
that was a situation you ran into as a detective, you would want to ask that guy some questions. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> and, and so maybe now I'm putting this on Mordred to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a professor of the occult. I have a replica of what that looks like. I don't know. I feel like I could talk my way out of this. This is a very common Sumerian or glyph. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say something maybe controversial. If you know that the end of the world is like literally kind of any moment maybe when the cops show up you could just fucking neuralize them and yeah. like worry about With your time stopping technology yeah. that's the most frustrating thing about everything that happens in the next couple of scenes with all of the powers he's supposed to have there's no reason he should be in this police station it's almost like he is a god in that he has to direct Sam how to do all of his work for him and then it's like <laughs> that was my plan this whole time and it's like what what are you doing on Earth then? What are you doing here? It is a wild scene to skip over. For yeah. all the things that we <laughs> skip over and all of the time we spend in during nonsense scenes. Yeah. The one scene that actually we should have seen is how in the world the cops showed up and he got taken in for interrogation is actually a scene that would have benefited right. the viewers so that yeah. we're not just going, how? How did that happen? That seems unbelievable. It's truly the one thing of consequence that happens to our hero. Yeah, it is the conflict. Right, it is his entire conflict. It's the only thing keeping him from stopping the evil. Yeah, and it's immediately undercut by like showing how powerful he is. He immediately magics himself out of the cuffs and he could just walk out the goddamn door but instead he tells Samantha you gotta go get my amulet I can't do it for reasons freeze time so that you can get bring it to me that we'll freeze time we'll walk out together like what just leave the reason he gives is I could be killed in my mortal form so he's saying like if I go and get my amulet there's a chance I could be killed Hey, you go do it. <laughs> hey, I, I got an idea. Why don't you go do it? You're expendable, aren't you? God, he truly does nothing in this movie. No. no. He do well, he does hypnotize her to show her his backstory. Via table napkin. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it is weird. I have to tell you something. Show you something. So that you'll comprehend the magnitude of why I cannot be held here any longer. Everything we say is being recorded. Just so long as you hear me. I want you to see two young boys. Students. Born in another world of magic and sorcery. A dimension away from the one that you know here on planet Earth. So, yeah, he lifts up uh, a hanky, dangles it just under his eyes, and essentially yeah, uh, sends her on a vision quest to one day at school he had once. <laughs> 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 and we learn that Cabal and Mordred were like pals, buddy. They learned wizarding together. Twins, maybe? Brothers, question mark? It's like Jamie said, it's the doctor and the master. Yeah. Like, it's friends, maybe related, and they were I on the same path. I think they literally have to be related. They're created by God. I mean, I guess Jesus, that's saying we're all related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, yeah, we're all from Adam and Eve, Greg. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Adrian has been given a mortal making uh, skull dust. He's got some skull dust in his hair, and that <laughs> apparently one, does two things. It One, makes Adrian invulnerable, and two, it creates a sort of little b- bottle of juice <laughs> that... Cabal needs to keep safe so that Adrian will be kept safe. He's tethered, I guess. Right, to this juice. (laughs) And I have a real hard time not thinking that's the best part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, everything that follows for me is, because this is what you were saying earlier, the frustrating thing about Mordred is his immortality and omnipotence-ness kind of makes him super boring. Whereas Adrian's given immortality and becomes the best part of the movie because this guy's like, this is everything I wanted. I'm gonna go throw a Molotov cocktail at a cop, convince him to shoot me. Won't matter. Love it. Like, he's living the dream. Yeah, in memory of his lost loved one, we uh, cold cut into a scene where he's just spazzing out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just like she had done earlier in the movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then a cop drives up, and and Adrian is holding what is obviously a Molotov cocktail, and the cop goes, hey, what you doing? Man, huh? Hold right there, don't move from us. Well, go ahead, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Are right, you've had your fun now, motherfucker. Go ahead. Arrest me. Drives up into the police station parking lot? <laughs> because there's a bunch of cop cars parked there. So uh, th- his, this, this part, is unclear. This is muddy. This is muddy. Because he like... wants to be arrested for some reason? That's where Mordred is? The assumption we could make is that Cabal understands that Mordred is in police custody and is trying to send Adrian in there. But if he is immortal, why doesn't he just Terminator the place (laughs) and and find him? Like, why would you even... Because Adrian's not that smart. Why would you bother putting him in cuffs? No, I know. Yeah. Right. Especially since, as Mordred explained, he is in a mortal form. So yeah, if like Adrian just stormed the place right now. Also, if you have the ability to make someone immortal, why wouldn't you do it to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't Mordred do that to himself ever? Like, if you're like, I can make you 12 hours of immortal. 12 hours is all you need. To end the world, yeah. Cabal just needs to go to a museum. He can do that in 12 hours while being immortal yeah also the fact that the cop like brought adrian in it was like this guy was acting crazy and like did not mention oh yeah by the way i, sh- I shot him uh and, oh, anyway uh, <laughs> uh, also me meanwhile we're cutting back to a scene where cabal is making a move on what is frankly a much more age-appropriate woman than mordred yeah. going after <laughs> samantha beautiful day isn't it might be the last one for a long long time He's being very uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's walking away seemingly like kind of disappointed. And that's when he decides to like spill spill out Adrian's <laughs> live forever juice. Samantha and Mordred stop time for everybody, walk out of the police precinct and go to Central Park. And Mordred knows he needs to get to a museum 
but it's all the way across town, and that'll take at least an hour. In this traffic, how am I supposed to get across town? Which we know, as the audience, that an hour is just too long. It would have been so sweet if he had been like, it's all the way across town, and that'll take an hour in this traffic. That'd be too late. Right, Monitor? And Monitor's like, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is happening before then. <laughs> Thanks, Monitor. So he astral projects to the Cosmopolitan Museum. That's what he should have done, apparently, because like yeah. astral projection is super open. He's immortal while astral projecting. How is that worse than being there in person? No, he should have actually never left his apartment. There's no reason yeah. why yeah. Doctor Mordred yeah. ever. He could have astral projected from the precinct. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, he could have done it while handcuffed. While handcuffed, like that would have been great too. Wait. Yeah, if you could just astral project yourself and kill the big bad with no possible repercussions other than a crazy metalhead guy trying to stab you. So literally all you need is a breathing person (laughs) to hold his arm in the air. Why would you do anything else? Yeah. Because the movie needs to happen. <laughs> but the movie doesn't really happen. He doesn't, like, there's... The movie doesn't happen. <laughs> that's not a really... Well, that's... you know yeah. what? The movie does... It just does happens. Happen. Yeah, it does just happen. <laughs> it does nothing but happen. Yep. Mordred appears in the museum where Cabal is using the Philosopher's Stone, which is actually a cauldron, to free demons from Castle Floaty Rock. Whoa, 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 whoa. We can't go past... The best the security in this in this museum. Well, no, you sure. can absolutely go past them. Go past <laughs> <laughs> just walk uh, right by. No, we can't. We can't just waltz by the the best moment of the movie, which is the museum at closing time, and some <laughs> kid is marveling at the, oh yeah <laughs> at the dinosaur skeletons, and they go yes yes. Man, they sure are giants. I remember them being much bigger. I love how the mom reacts, which is in a way of like, just because it's true doesn't mean we say it out loud. (laughs) Is the implication here... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that dinosaurs are demons? No. Okay. No, it's just that they've been adjacent to Earth as much as, like, the Norse gods. You know, like, if, like, five minutes in the castle is, like, a week on Earth, that means, like, when they were kids, Earth was probably just, like, dinosaurs, and they probably came down a couple of times to, like, peek in and be like, whoa, dinosaurs! Wait, doesn't he <laughs> say he trained with him 150 of your man years or something like that? Probably. I know Gunner uses is the term man years at one point and I know it was uh, about the story but I couldn't get past the term man years. <laughs> but he's also been on earth a hundred years. Maybe that's true. Is, Maybe I'm so, so yeah. they're like a couple hundred years. space years old. Yeah. yeah. I think that's What's a the lot. conversion of a space year to a man year? Anyway, ma- anyway, a magic fight, yeah. And as far as magic fights go, pretty, pretty good, uh, you know. Pretty good. Been... This is my favorite part of the whole movie. Okay. I mean, it's not yell the me. end <laughs> of Lords of Magic. I, I <laughs> Kiss the mic. <laughs> it's not Lords of Magic box factory fight. I'll give you that. But it does have two stop motion dinosaurs fighting each other. Which is rad. It also has Gunner shooting space lasers at demons. It's it's really cool. Yeah. And it doesn't last nearly long enough. Yeah, it does have some good, I mean, like, there's some, like, great, like, you realize you have no power over me in this state. And I was like, 
In New York? Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your jurisdiction ends. Jersey. <laughs> That's the problem. They were like, it's almost in Jersey. <laughs> we can't go there. That's Mordred's domain. <laughs> Cabal being like, they're loose. My children are loose on your world. <laughs> My children are loose. Even though they weren't. And they weren't. <laughs> no. They were barely out of the sewer drain they were kept in. All the elements... In place, Anton, the broad diamonds of earth, platinum, the sister of gold, and now touch the element that mankind has twisted into his ultimate weapon. Children of the night, prepare yourselves for war. Give me your powers. I command it. It's so cool, though. Cabal starts freeing demons with the sky beam. And he animates a T-Rex skeleton that picks up a claymation security guard. Oh, yeah. Love that. Which is awesome. And then to fight it, Mordred animates a woolly mammoth skeleton to fight the T-Rex skeleton. And they're both fighting. And it eventually stabs Cabal through the stomach. Viscera and blood everywhere. So cool! With Cabal dead, the demons are sent back to their sewer drain. With and... Cabal, because Cabal's actually not dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he respawns. He gets killed and gets respawned in the sewage drain with the hell spawn. So now he's imprisoned again. Unclear why. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> not sure why that happens, but Gunner thinks that he did it, which is a great and moment. And we yeah. should give it to him. We, we, and nobody tell him. Yeah. Nobody tell nobody him. Nobody ever let him know. Not only are the stakes exactly nil, because our hero is not even physically there to be hurt, <laughs> the red shirts we've been given to see die are like museum security. Which, look, I'm sorry, but not the most sympathetic people in the world. (laughs) And then on top of that, heroes in no danger. No one that matters so far is in danger. Just this vague idea that the whole world is going to be killed, which you know it's not because you've seen movies before. (laughs) And the fact that the hero's way of defeating the villain is just doing the villain spell again. Like, Mordred does zero work to win this battle. He doesn't even think of a way to do it at the last moment. He does. He just like, oh, I'll do your spell and then kill you. I'll just stab you. I guess with the with the spell yeah. I just did. Not a fireball in sight. Not a, anything. And then like jazz hands in another direction and is able to close the itsy bitsy water spout that the demons are coming out of. <laughs> I appreciate that like a dinosaur fight is fun and a dinosaur fight is fun, but like, god damn it, I I like hate how little I cared about it. That sum is way less than the sum of its parts. Again, I don't know idioms. I don't know what these things mean. But the, 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 I know that the idea of those words in a row is what I mean. Just like the individual ideas are cool, but the way they are strung together and who is stringing them together is really failing at all times. It's the definition of popcorn. It's not filling, but I enjoy it while I'm eating. Do you know what it is? It's fucking Marvel movies of today without i mean literally it is it's marvel movies of today without the ip recognition without the ingrained yeah. sense of like oh i am happy that iron man is winning because i've read iron man comic books yeah, or yeah, at yeah. this point not even the comic books just i've seen the other movies and so i have an emotional response to seeing these characters again hooray if you if you took all of that away and all of the work those movies do towards that the, the things themselves would be the meekest, the like thinnest and room temperaturist of gruel. And this movie is also <laughs> that. Well, at least the people in those are, they're performing and doing interesting things. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, my tea's ready. I'll be right back to respond. <laughs> Living up to, you know, the lack of stakes in the movie, Adrian tries to stab Mordred, but he returns to his body at just the right time. He's really good at returning to his body at just the right time when <laughs> something sharp is about to come down onto his. <laughs> time freeze him. And? Samantha gives him a swift kick oh, yeah. in the groin. That was sweet. Love it. And you got to think that because he's frozen, that's definitely like the conservation of energy. Ooh. So yeah. it's probably a super kick to the groin, right? Yeah, like he's feeling that Ooh, kick to so. the groin elongated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a cool moment and also a great ending to that character. It was like, I loved Adrian's in this movie because it sort of hits you in that scene that even when he unfreezes like, haha, I'm immortal, haha, I'm immortal, then gets shot in the leg. It's like, this is a good comedic character for this universe. And God damn it, Adrian, you'd, I'd give him a shoulder rub because I know carrying this movie was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> the guy kidnaps you at gunpoint. You didn't even see what direction he went I'm in. I'm sorry, Tony. I just turned my head and he was gone, okay? Yeah, like magic, huh? In a way, yeah. The monitor tells Mordred to leave Earth because reasons. Because he, his cover's been blown. Uh, he's a sleeper Russian agent. You're the only time dimension cop that I have. So, like, <laughs> I need you to come back here until the heat dies down. But he doesn't make it clear that it's just until the heat dies down. Right. It sounds a lot more permanent than that. Yeah, yeah. And Samantha wants to come with him, but he says that she can't. Sure. Because then, of course, we cut to it's Christmas Day and Samantha's all alone. And then Mordred shows no, up. Uh, no, no. Oh, Oh, she's sorry. Not she's with she's Ed, hanging Edgar out with, the Raven. She's hanging out with that. She's got Edgar the Raven. Edgar Allen. <laughs> then Mordred returns, and I don't know how much time has passed, but given th what we know that like the two minute scene we saw earlier was a week of time down on Earth. Let's say he's been gone for months. He was there for like a like an hour. They had a an meeting. Hour. They had like a debriefing yeah. <laughs> meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> I just want to close the cabal account. Could we like? Get... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got a beer with Gunner, basically. Yeah, yeah. Gunner's <laughs> like, uh, make sure you bring any receipts, Mordred. <laughs> we have to have a little egg dog <laughs> and watch our movie for the first time. You know what? It's all worth it. It's all worth it for that happy ending. You know, it's sure it's a it's a totally shoved in romance subplot. It never really feels like it makes sense. But at least it was all worth it to say the most confusing final line in a movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> at least they could do that together, huh? That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Watching our movie that I've never seen for the, for the first, first time. time. Maybe what he meant was that news story that he had recorded. Because yeah. you've been recording the news, right? Since I've been gone. She's like, what? <laughs> like taping every news broadcast like across the world? She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, what? You have... <laughs> You know, Sam gets to see his inner sanctum, if you know what I mean. No, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like his butthole? <laughs> like his butthole? <laughs> Jamie, no! <laughs> the clay motion demons came down the water spout. <laughs> out came Jeffrey Combs to get those demons out. <laughs> he did jazz hands and blew them all away. <laughs> and then we got... The ripoff report card. Okay, I did it. All right, this is a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
the Dr. Mordred ripoff report card is brought to you by the Charles Band Camp. <laughs> For only $250 a day, you can reminisce about all your favorite full moon features at the least exclusive, most expensive camp for wayward kids. <laughs> As our sponsor alludes, the full moon head honcho Charles Band is both a dreamer and a staunch capitalist. Like Kroger Bab, David Friedman, or hell, Roger Corman before him, Charles Band had a vision of Hollywood, and all had to jump on the band wagon or be left behind. Yeah. Son of filmmaker Albert Band, who, before working with his son, was best known for schlock like I Bury the Living and Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. Charles started out producing films in the mid-70s like Mansion of the Doomed and Laser Blast. In 1978, he founded the now-legendary Mita Home Video, which he claimed to be the first independent home video distributor in North America. This, like many of Band's claims, is dubious, as Magnetic Video, which was a home video duplication service with no studio ties until 1979, beat Band to the punch by a year, releasing the first pre-recorded VHS and Betamax tapes and establishing the first rental store in LA in 1977. But as became commonplace with Band's projects, Mita had a supposedly rocky start as they were successfully sued by ABKCO Records for releasing the Rolling Stones Hyde Park concert tape, as well as a successful suit for releasing a bunch of Beatles material. <laughs> Mita Home Video became Media Home Entertainment, and seemingly Band parted ways pretty quickly as he founded the horror sleaze distributor Wizard Video in 1981, bringing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, films by Lucio Fulci, genre Lin, Jorge Grau to American shores on video for the first time. More recently, Wizard had a huge resurgence in popularity from tape collectors and band notoriously quote-unquote found a bunch of dead stock big boxes of their most popular titles and released them. These, of course, were actually copies that band made and sold as originals and <laughs> were two films that he assuredly did not have the rights for at this time oh. and so far has never admitted to such nefarious doings. But distribution is for the birds. Band had bigger fish to fry and planned to create an empire. And thus, in 1983, he started Empire Pictures, producing a whole mess of movies, stuff like Reanimator and From Beyond with Jeffrey Combs, yeah. The Ghoulies franchise, Robot Jocks, Troll, but not Troll 2, TerraVision, and Trancers, just to name a few. At this point, Band bought a 12th century castle in what? Jove, Italy, and then bought the Dino De Laurentiis Cinematographia as the home base for productions. <laughs> As Empire grew bigger, so did its debts, and so in 1988, it was bought by the bank, and Band was again a free agent. So he starts another production company, <laughs> and this one finally sticks, Full Moon Entertainment. Here, Band was able to live out his most lavish mid-to-small-budget dreams. 
and Dream He Did, for the first few years of Full Moon, produced many of band's best-known films like Subspecies, Killjoy, Demonic Toys, and most notably Puppet Master. And like any good exploitation huckster, he rode these properties until they rode no mo. Sequels upon sequels, merchandising, you name it. Band's process at Full Moon was simple. Come up with a catchy title, draft up a poster that featured magic, tiny monsters, or sexy women, and get a script going. This age-old process yielded many great pieces of exploitation artwork and some movies that actually featured some of those fantastic elements. (laughs) They were shooting in L.A. and Italy, but after a while, Band realized he can save some dough by moving production to the then third world metropolis of Bucharest, Romania. The studio they helped develop, Castle Film, originally had almost nothing, literally just open fields and willing hands. And since Full Moon left in the late 90s, it has become one of Europe's foremost studios. In the process of all of this, Band inadvertently created the -the behind-the-scenes featurette special feature that would become standard with DVDs in his Full Moon Video Zone, which was branded as a video magazine that would accompany the Full Moon tapes as a post feature. Many, many projects were promised during these video zones, and (laughs) some of them saw the light of day. (laughs) Over the years, the magic has been lost some. Band's particular brand of fantastic was always relegated to blockbuster shelf filler, and with things like the internet, the premium paid for such projects just became smaller and smaller. He saw success with similar high-concept productions, though maybe Evil Bong and Gingerbread Man don't have quite the same ring as something like Bad Channels. Disagree. (laughs) (laughs) He still stalks the sidewalks of La La Land, though now by way of Northwest Ohio. Well, as they say, you can't keep a good filmmaker down, and seemingly, you can't keep Charles Band down either. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the Dr. Mordred ripoff report card. Harry Berry Gunner had his eyes ripped out. <laughs> Samantha lost her job, now just sits on the couch. <laughs> Even Detective Guadio, oh wait, we didn't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Yet shocker, Dr. Mordred, still the ones the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all, that was... Dr. Mordred. Wands at the ready. <laughs> Quills down. <laughs> what is going to end up on the final test? If you're an immortal living in New York City, please do something better with your life than being a landlord. Or at the very least, fix your tenant's damn toilets. <laughs> Sadly, there is no end credit scene where Keith David shows up as Nicholas Rage to recruit Dr. Mordred to the Revengers initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I Not wish. in the movie. I wish. Well, like at the end of every full moon video zone feature, I think it's time we make some promises we can't keep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll catch you next week when we cover Dr. Mordred 2. <laughs> <laughs> Mordred. <laughs> or something like that. Ha, 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 ha,
Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music, Justin Ferraro of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Sheer for our logo, and the entire Video High crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. Next time, dust off your jack-o'-lanterns because it's Schlocktober. We'll be dissecting the 1976 slasher piece, The Demon Lover, about a bunch of teenagers who abandon their extracurricular satanic cult and find themselves on the pointy end of a pitchfork when their cult leader summons a demon to exact his revenge. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. I just made myself sad. At the very idea of our podcast, which is a problem. I just thought, uh, oh, no, that isn't what happened. We just said it's what happened. And then I got sad that that's true. <laughs> Even though that's very much the conceit. That's just what we're doing here. That's what we are. Uh, 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 in your ear. Podcast Network.